We came for salvation. We came for family. We came for all that's good. That's how we'll walk away. Aloha and welcome to the we Layman's Lounge podcast, a ministry of the laymanslounge.com, where we exist to bring everyday theology to encourage Christians for everyday life. I'm, a, I'm Jason Stopanol. I'm a business process analyst and a YWAMer here in Kona, Hawaii. And on the other line is Dr. Cornelius Vanderkoy. Aloha, Dr. Vanderkoy. How are you in Amsterdam? Uh, I'm fine. I'm really fine. It is early in, in the, or not so early, it is uh, uh, 8.30 in the morning now. And uh, yes, I'm, I'm even not living in Amsterdam itself. I'm living in Driebergen, Driebergen that's close to Utrecht. And we, uh, we have lived there with the four children. And yesterday we had five grandchildren here for homeschooling <laughs> due to COVID-19. So it was a very busy two days. Yeah. yeah. But that is, that is ordinary life. Yeah? That is how life goes. You cannot always direct your life. And that has something to do with theology. Yes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, thanks yeah. for taking the time to connect with us. So Dr. Vanderkoy is a theologian and served as full professor of systematic theology at the Free University Amsterdam. What do you call it? Like the Free Universidad? So, yeah, no, that's, that's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> His is one of rare voices in the Netherlands who combines a deep interest for the neo-Calvinistic theological tradition and for Karl Barth's theology, as well as a clear voice diagnosing and responding to the situation of Christianity and modernity. Um, and as I was just reading through his books, I feel like America and the Netherlands must be literally exactly the same because a lot of the things you hit are is like the pulse here in America. He, function, he functions as a theological linking pin between the reformed tradition and the charismatic renewal moment movements. So in some, he's a neo-Calvinist charismatic who contextualizes the truth of Christianity to lived lives. So you can see why we at the Layman's Lounge consider it an honor to have, uh, have this brother hewn from the same stone. So anyways, um, he's also the author of dozens of books, um, including some English ones. So the, the first one here is the, uh, this incredibly benevolent force the Holy Spirit in Reformed Theology and Spirituality is Erdman's 2018. And together with his wife, Margaret, um, have a, a forthcoming book about good theology and pastoral care. And he co-authored with G. Vanderbrink, the book we'll be discussing today, Christian Dogmatics, an introductions, an, an introduction, Erdman's 2017. And this is an English translation of the Dutch version that has already gone through five prints. And before I jump in, I want to say, man, I, this is a bold claim, but in the past two years, I've, I've read a slew of systematic theologies and dogmatics. And when I first got this book, I was expecting like for my brain to be squeezed out my ears and just parsing Greek. And, but um, it is so deep, but it's, so accessible. I lit. I if someone were to say what 
what systematic theology would you suggest even for like a small group or a seminary it, without a doubt be this book um and i'm not just saying that because if you guys listen you know i don't throw that out lightly so anyways we're going to jump in so dr vandercoy you have mentioned elsewhere that as you were teaching this book this this um you know this new theology book came you guys you guys wrote by necessity so for years you had been using hendrickus Burkhoff's theology book, but with students ceasing to read Latin and German, and with you as a professor having less time with the students as you've adjusted sort of to the, the Western mode or whatever, and a few other reasons, the need arose for this text. So having said that, it's like you knew what some of us committed American Kuyperians were going to wonder and ask you, when on the first page you said, it is good for an international audience to see the Dutch theology did not stop with Kuiper and Bavink. Um, all the same, I have to ask, why did you not just use Bavink? <laughs> uh, Herman Bavink is wonderful. He has written a reformed classic. It is a, it's a classic in systematic theology. And I think that we also have learned a lot from Herman Bavink, also in the way he was doing theology. He was uh, trying to understand his times and to uh, to yeah to ground uh, reformed thought again, biblical thought uh, on uh, and that combined with uh, new situations, with uh, with uh, general knowledge, with uh, science as well. But uh, we uh, we are. We are not living uh, anymore in the times of Herman Bavink. Herman Bavink, um, he was uh, responding in many ways uh, to modernity, to, um, uh, to also uh, uh, the, um, the, the necessity, of, not a nece the necessity, but to give um, uh, faith and theology a firm footing so the way he put the doctrine of scripture on the foreground as a, as the basic as a basis for the rest what would follow that uh, that reflects uh, the modern or in his times the modern uh, challenge and necessity um, for um, other requirement, uh, what was felt as a requirement to give thought first an epistemological fundament. Um, so first you had to, and then he used Aristotle, he used uh, parts of common sense philosophy, but he used also parts of Aristotle uh, to give his uh, whole theology, the whole, whole house of theology, to give that uh, a basis. And what we do is that we say, uh, we, we have made more the ecclesial turn, what they uh, call the ecclesial turn, that we, uh, we as also as theologians, as, uh, as church, because we have written a uh, dogmatics that is uh, geared to the times and and closely uh, geared to the church as well mm. 
um, we already are part of a community. We are part of a community that is um, um, uh, that is uh, believing. That is um, uh, we we have our worship services. We worship already God. We already name him. We have already got to know him. We we and so there are many avenues. Also in 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 our uh, chapter two, we sketch the manifold avenues that uh, the uh, eternal Lord already has used for us mm-hmm. to bring him in con- in contact to to bring us in to invite us already he has already touched us and um the 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 old modern way was that you first had to um to 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 give a um now you um the the that you have to first to to write a prolegomena the first uh, footing or the first fundament for the whole of theology. We say we are already in there. We are already part of a Christian believing com- community. And being there, we have to think about, oh, okay, how how did we come here? And so that is the, the reason that we say we are already touched by the triune God, by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit in manifold ways has already uh, related to, uh, to, to us. When we were a child, when we were part of a family, or when we uh, got to know friends or important people in our life who, who, who who brought to us something of the good news, yes? Mm-hmm. So, um, um, we, our prolegomena is more make understandable, making understandable, uh, and a little bit visible, uh, the many avenues that God already has used for us yeah. to connect to us, yeah. to touch us, to make us hungry yeah to make us longing and that our longing our desire for more for life for happiness for real life a vibrant life that is that is something of the holy spirit that wants us to trigger to stimulate us to invite us now okay um, so, um, in that respect, we are different from Bavink because we actually um, uh, discuss the Holy Spirit. You know, the the Bible, the function of the Bible, after discussing the work of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and only after that we already have discussed the doctrine of, of Trinity. Yeah. And, a doc- and the doctrine of revelation mm-hmm. um, as a whole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it is um, the, 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 the Bible, the, the role of the Bible, the important role of the Bible is uh, uh, discussed with us 
in um, yeah, chapter, what is it here? Chapter 12, I think, no? Um, I have here now the, yeah, the uh, chapter 13, uh, the doctrine of uh, scripture. After we have um, uh, discussed the uh, chapter of the Holy Spirit, pneumatology, uh, of course, that's an, that's an difficult word. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, giver of life, yeah? Mm. Giver of life. Or pneumatology, okay. Now, okay, that, that uh, so far, but uh, um, Bowing in the whole setup of his dogmatics reflects the uh, requirements of modernity. Yeah. We living now, we reflect the situation that we have said we do not longer follow a certain path of Immanuel Kant in that way. Mm -hmm. Because Immanuel Kant said, uh, and Schleiermacher said, no, even not Schleiermacher, but Immanuel Kant said, and the whole science of his days, you have first to make a firm, basic yeah. basis for your thought. We say, man, you are already in, and you are too much a follower of Immanuel Kant in that respect, <laughs> in the whole setup of your dogmatics. So we think we are in that respect uh, biblical, even I would say a little bit more biblical, and we have distanced of us a little bit of the tendency of modern, modern uh, orthodox believers mm. and theologians to be servants of the Kantian requirements. Okay. Yeah. We received that, brother. You said, quote, in the book you said, quote, systematic theology is as natural as the making sense of life and just as fascinating as thinking about the plot of a good thriller, end quote. And, and I resonate with that. As such, I often wonder, I often wonder why am I drawn to theology? Like why are Christians drawn to theology? Can you help us uncover what it is about us humans, about us Christians that is stirred to read about the things of God like what itches does it scratch? Like what aspect of the fall is war being waged on when we read and consider theology? Uh, I think good theology, there's also bad the, uh, uh, theology, but good theology is about ordinary life. It, 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 it uh, relates to uh, experiences that we have all experiences of goodness. Yeah. Where does it come from that we awake again? Yeah. Or that we see the sun rising or going down and see beautiful nature. What is it that we get angry when people lie, when people, um, um, uh, squeeze life, the, the, the life of others. What is it that we get angry? That has to make 
that that has to do with okay with what we call sin or evil um so good theology is about ordinary life and that is the reason that uh, a good the a good theology adequate theology uh, discovers um, relations situations it it sheds light light on our life so in good. a good way that is um so i do hate abstract theology yeah, <laughs> yeah? and i think we we also show that in this book by um by uh, drawing attention to ordinary situations of life to movies <clears throat> to um american playwrights even yeah mm -hmm. yeah As in the kind of intro introduction um you have um, some wonderful american playwrights who were not believers themselves mm. or were often very unhappy people but yeah. in their writing in their playwrights they show something of real life issues and even they show something about yeah. grace the experience of grace or the experience of what evil is what sin is so um yeah it is about ordinary life yes and so if not then you can leave it i i love that you since you're retired you're able just to say speak the truth like that you know it's it's true i never actually really even had had the courage to to even think that to think there is true theology but then there is what you are calling good theology so theology by necessity must reach down and, and touch us in our in our commute to work and in our in our longings and our hopes and our fears so I, that was that's a good paradigm you know it's simple but helpful um another quote you said that quote dogmatics is far from an abstract business but is connected by a thousand and one threads to everyday life end quote now Dr. Vanderkoit, when I read things like that, I feel like every theology book I read makes that claim. I get happy, but usually the conversation just continues on into abstract realities that are true and profound and important, but they, they remain so far removed from the normal lived lives that most of us Christians, right? And we don't know how to bring them down. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's similar to the question above, but what's an example or, or something of, of how we could take a large theological concept that is true and bring it down to bear on our, you know, when, on our everyday lives? Uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, what, 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 what example will I uh, bring in here? Um, I think when we um, when we talk about uh, sin and evil, then we make some distinctions, and we uh, not only uh, talk about personal sin, uh, but we also talk about sin as a situation, um, and we talk uh, about sin as estrangement. 
And I think estrangement, estrangement is um, is a form of evil and sin that uh, that is uh, understandable and um, experienced by many of us um, in daily life. Yeah, um, we sometimes there is a split between friends or with your family or with your wife or with you and and um, and you or even with yourself that you that you are just not happy and you don't know why yeah. and of course if you meet people you smile but you 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 self know that something is not you you are living in the shadow you are living in the mist in an in a misty field okay what is that what is mm. that what the hell is that mm. Mm. that is that is that is estrangement yeah wow um, and uh, that has to do something with with the whole chapter of evil or sin, our estrangement. Mm. And um, um, uh, I think that um, even when we um, when we know about God, about grace, then we should not deny those situations that are so often there. Mm. Um, um, so one of the things that we say is, uh, or that I I I am I love to say, that you must have a sound doctrine of sin. Mm. Yeah, mm. a good doctrine of sin will tell you that evil and sin is not essential to our creation. It is not essential. It it was added to it. It has, um, uh, it has, it has flooded our life, but it is not essential. And by saying that, I am even pointing to an optimistic and very positive view of Christian doctrine to our ordinary life. Our ordinary life. Of course, it is imbued in sin, but sin and evil is not essential. Wow. Happily not. Happily not. Amen. God made our life as maybe not perfect because being perfect is in the end, yeah, in the eschaton, even for adam and eve because they were vulnerable they were even vulnerable in the situation of the garden of eden mm -hmm. they were vulnerable but it was good so the tof the goodness there is a kind of goodness okay we have the tools it was good there was a blessing on it and God was even turning down and trying to, to, to move away everything that could become a curse. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, okay. Uh, one of the things of what we have written or what is part of, of this book, what we say about creation, that, that, that God even 
was a little bit a risk taker, yeah? By starting this whole story with us, mm. by starting this relation to us and trying to get us on board, yeah? yeah. And now also after Eden, he tries to get us on board. What a wonderful um, discovery is that. Yeah. And what a future and what a dynamic brings that idea. Yeah. That there is someone out there who wants us. I want you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I want you. Da -da 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 -dum, da -da -dum. Yeah. You know. Um, um, <laughs> Okay. You, yeah. You you said that quote theology uh, you said about about theology quote it helps us it helps us not only to concentrate on acquiring knowledge and deeper insight but also to de to develop something we like to call hermeneutical competence. A wonderful phrase that refers to understanding things in such a way that we can, using all our creativity, see connections, a skill that theologians certainly ma certainly master and must master in their work, end quote. Can you ex please explain what you mean by this hermeneutical competence that is needed? I will, I will explain it and use my own life. When I was a young boy, I was a stutterer. I stuttered a lot, yeah? Mm -hmm. And I hated it. And it was frustrating. And then after that, or after that, no, as a stutterer, I got therapy, lots of therapy. It didn't help much. But okay, I thought, what, what will I be in my life? Will I be a judge, go for law? Um, history, I liked history. Um, but I thought, I, I think I want to do something in the, yeah, in the, in the, in the work of God. And uh, I started to study the theology. I became a minister even when I was a stutterer. They accepted me. And one of the people at the university who helped me a lot was a former actress. I will call her name here with honor, Bela Berger, Bela Berger. And she learned me, she taught me to stand on my feet and to get to know that breathing and talking words that is about breath, um, respiring, and that we have to, we, we do not have to speak here, no, we have to, 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 to speak down in our uh, body, yeah? in, your, in your stomach, down from your stomach, you have to stand on your feet. So she made me much more um, um, uh, sensitive of my body, hmm. of my feet, of what is speech actually, and that comes close to what in 
the Old Testament is said about the Ruach, yeah, and about Nefesh. Ruach has to do with, with our breath, with spirit. Um, and, but okay, so much more sensitive of our senses. I think when we look at, so my, my hermeneutical uh, tools have um, been empowered by this personal experience of how difficult and how wonderful it is when we can speak, when we can utter words. Yeah. When we can put down our words and bring it to the to the table, almost oh literally, bring it to the table, yeah? yeah. yeah. And uh, so the senses are very important for me, for us here. You will see in this book that we write a lot about the sacraments and about a broader sacramentology, yeah? And that has all to do, again, with how God deals with us how he relates to us. Uh, in the sacraments, our five senses are important. Yeah? In baptism, it is the sense of touch, the sense of hearing, the sense of, he of, of, of seeing. The, yeah? Um, in the sacrament of the... Um, of the of the meal of the uh, eucharist or the holy supper what or however you call it um kelvin only spoke about la Seine, yeah <laughs> the meal and uh, there is the yeah the taste. yeah the taste is important also the word the visual aspect, but the taste and the smell even, you if it is good and you have wine, because it is just wine what you have to drink and not um, being afraid of a little bit of alcohol. I, I don't think Jesus was afraid of a little bit of alcohol. <laughs> Who, whoever has imagined that? But... Um, uh, God has made alcohol as well, yeah? Not for abuse, but for use. So, um, after making state, have made, made that statement as a good Dutchman, um, I want to say that God has given us the five senses and that he wants to come in and relate to our life. Amen. By using our five senses, man, yeah. So they are theologically important. And we I think we um, we uh, elaborate on that in in our book in writing on the on the sacraments uh, in writing about um, creation as well. Yeah, uh, in writing about anthropology, um, theological and and anthropology. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very and, and, down. Yeah, down to earth, down yeah. to earth. Very if it is not there, forget about it. I love that you've said that twice now. I, I that's that's courageous, and I I think it's right. <laughs> so, um, 
you know, sort of shifting gears a little bit, as I read through your guys's Christian dogmatics, it was, um, was it James Bratt who helped sort of translate it? Was it James Bratt? Yeah, uh, the, uh, we had two translators. The first translation was done, and primary translation was done by um, Reinder Bruinsma. That's when who has worked many, many years in the United States and in Canada. And Jim Brett, the, uh, the Caribbean scholar and a, a yeah. scholar in American religion. is a very good, intimate friend of us, uh, Jim and Tina. Mm. Uh, he has um, gone through the whole translation and has Americanized it, so to say. Some of the examples that we use, um, they are too much, uh, they were too much Dutch. <laughs> For example, when we give the example that um, uh, the experience of your bicycle stolen, <laughs> that is something, <laughs> that's, an, that's an evil that we sometimes have here. And that's funny. So, but he said, you should not give that example because it is less um, <laughs> experienced here, a typical Dutch. Um, yeah. So stealing your laptop, that is more yeah, that's good. close to uh, of your, your, your laptop stolen. Yeah, <laughs> You come back to the library and the hey man who has taken away my laptop. Come. Well, he did. He translated it so well. It actually... And I almost don't want to say this because I don't want it to sound wrong, but it it reads really easy. But don't mistake me saying easy for shallow because it's so far from it. But um, it was like a literally a joy to read, like de like devotionally. And I think I've heard I've heard some other folks say that about the book. But um, it was it was cool to see some of the distinguishing elements of the book like namely the finished work of Christ and union um, spirit powered um, moral progress or sanctification or, or, or transformation, whatever you want to call it. And um, just the Trinitarian theology. And I just wanted to hit on a few of those. Um, and I'll start with this. Um, uh, here, let me read this. The, the finished work of Christ in our union with him. So especially in the context of many Christians who are so introspective, navel gazing, looking inward, that they're always questioning their standing before their Lord. Um, I think the following two quotes sum this up well, and I'm, I'm going to read these here. The first one is, quote, the uncertainty that always tormented Catholics over whether they had done enough good works returned through the back door by saying, do I have the right heart? That's a classic one. You guys hit that heart. But do I have the right heart? <laughs> okay, the second one is this. Quote, many Christians chronically worry about their salvation. It has often brought a sense of dread and uncertainty. Have I indeed been born again? In, in itself, this is, a, this is a valid question as long as we do not seek to answer it by looking within, end quote. This is, I, I, it, it was surprising to me to hear that this is a, a situation in the Netherlands too. I, it's a very, very much an American situation. Can you just speak to 
um, just that uncertainty that is looms over us and that inward, that introspection. Like, I mean, you hit, you hit that, you guys hit that hard. Yes. Now, <clears throat> of course, there is, there is reason for uncertainty. If you only look to yourself at yourself, if you only watch your situation in this whole Grimsy cosmos, if you only look and watch your own life, your own soul, then it is that is that is reason for uncertainty. <laughs> yes. That's true. That is that is that is true. But that is exactly what we learn by Jesus Christ that we should no longer look and watch ourselves, but have our eyes up on the Lord. That Praise is God. He. Because why? Why? Because He in your baptism already. He has His eyes on you. I will, Calvin, wonderful uh, quote from Calvin. Calvin loved the letters to Timothy. The Lord knows who are his. The Lord knows who are his. Here is the emphasis, not on your own knowledge, but it is more important, knows the Lord about you. Mm. And if you, if you read the Bible, if you watch Jesus Christ, then Jesus Christ is the answer to you, who you are. You are his. Amen. So if you, if you, as long as you watch yourself, your own soul, your own situation, your own, um, uh, yeah, uh, misty situation in this, uh, what I said, Grimsy cosmos, yeah. then you are really lost. That is, that is true. But only if you let in the light that is shining already mm -hmm. epiphany yeah then you have no longer um to try to touch behind the mirror but the mirror is jesus christ himself i wrote a book on uh, on john calvin and Karl Barth as in the mirror yeah okay who is the mirror here who stands what is what what do we see when we look at the mirror we see jesus christ god has given us as his final word jesus christ do you want to disavow that do you want to uh, sweep that away do you want to know more than this offering that he has given to you his own son his word so um, but uh, it is and I uh, to everybody who is uncertain who is often really thinking of himself and not without ground I am yeah. I'm not yeah. worthy. I'm un, I'm unworthy. I'm a lost soul. Hmm. Then I have to say to you, man, now turn, 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 
to Jesus Christ. Yes. He is the face. He, he, is, he is the one who is offered to the, by the Father to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have to look at, at, at him. So if we look at, at ourselves too long, then we are walking out of the beams of light, the beams of grace that have become to shine when Jesus Christ came into the world. Then we walk out of the lines of the beams of the covenant that has declared in, for example, Romans 3, verse 23, and Romans 3, verse 24, that God has made his decision and that he has put Jesus as a, um, as, um, no, uh, as, as, uh, as the stone of reconciliation, yeah? As the, as the point of reconciliation. Mm. And he, the, the eternal father has put the son in our place. So here, he has put him in our place. Mm. We have to take that very serious. That is the point of departure, the, the decisive turn of our history. And that decisive turn of not only his history, but in baptism, it is declared to be our history. We are yeah. part of that history. We are members of yeah. him. So, yeah. yeah. Um, watching yourself is walking out of the light, watching Jesus Christ as the one who is your big brother. And God wants to see you as the little brother the little uncertain brother and sister of Jesus Christ. Okay, that is, so I hope that this book, that this dogmatics is a kind of toolkit for good preaching. And there is a spiritual layer in it that at least has helped me, yeah, in writing it together with Gijsbert van der Brink. No, in I, writing it, it has even helped my own faith. No, absolutely. Like so, having emphasized like the the finished work of Christ, like you guys did. I mean, you really hit that home. You know, some people might call that the law gospel distinction or whatever. But in you know, union with Christ, being clothed with Christ, you made that very clear. But what I found really, really interesting was you went somewhere where where not a lot of people go, you didn't end it there. Um, you, and this, and this is another distinguishing element of the book is, um, is that you continue on and say, and, and start speaking about the spirit powered. Um, I think the word is transformation, your uh, transformation you used. So a for from like a renewal of life. So two helpful quotes here. I'm just going to read them. And if you could, if you could speak to this, the first quote is sanctification is just as much a work of God as our justification End quote. And the second quote is yet at this point, 
and that is at once you've made it clear of our standing of our standing with God in Christ by the spirit. Yet at this point, we must push back and sound a critical note toward the kind of theology that refers only to what Christ did and refuses to reflect on the question of how he reaches us, reaches and transforms us. Such quote objectivism runs the risk of trivializing or rendering suspect the question of how God's spirit touches, touches us to change us. <laughs> so can you, can you, I mean, that's, that's scary ground for, you know, for reformed people. We don't, we don't want to, you know, we want to hang out in that quorum mundo place, you know, we, we don't, or a quorum deo place. We, so can you speak on why you even would bring up that and, and what your thoughts are? Yeah, I would say what the point that we make here is a, is an is is the same point that Calvin made. Uh, Calvin also put a lot of emphasis on uh, on the ongoing work, the continuing work of uh, of of God uh, of our regeneration. He even called re, um, sanctification regeneration. Mm. Um, but so. Um, uh, Yes, that that objectivism that that is sometimes visible in uh, in reformed circles. Um, uh, only about um, uh, the cross and uh, and the work done there, um, um, but it is also uh, uh, one of the dangers, one of the risk of uh, Barthian theology that they only say uh, Christ is the is the reconciliation uh, that is the final word and um, that they uh, actually refuse um, um, to um, to think further and uh, yeah. to think about the fact that this message um, and and the, that the work of God by the Holy Spirit is has not ended with with what he did with the mission of the son, with uh, with sending the the son, but that uh, the Holy Spirit, as in John uh, 16 is written and John 14, that the Holy Spirit is sent to us, and that he wants to take out of Christ and appropriate it um, um, in our lives. Very good. Um, uh, and uh, that is so. Yes, man. Our our life is um, um, it is it is under tension. It is um, uh, as I said, uh, God wants something from you. Uh, he is a kind of lover um, uh, or the kind of Lord that 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 wants to to uh, make us exercises. Um, uh, he wants to to to, to train us. Uh, he. Uh, he has put us <clears throat> before the piano or an organ, and uh, he did not only uh, uh, teach us uh, what uh, how to play a little bit. No, he wants uh, who he wants to train us more. Mm. He wants us to um, to get appetite for the whole range of possibilities of this instrument. Our life, and so um, um, uh, yes, um, sanctification, transformation has to do with uh, 
um, our calling also uh, that is uh, also a good reform calling calling in life calling who you are as an as male or female as husband or wife um, and uh, again that has to do with ordinary things that mm -hmm. has to do with how you deal with your time how you deal with your money how you deal with your body with your being a woman or being a man um, uh, it has to do with what you um, with with what you hope to do in uh, in your business um, uh, in your in your work so God and work um, uh, in politics as well in politics yes mm -hmm. and it has something to do with with the great difficult uh, beginning of life and end of life questions that haunt that are haunting our communities and our modern lives yeah with all the new medical possibilities. And so, um, yeah, being a Christian is um, dangerous and is a challenge. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, this uh, whole issue of transformation and sanctification, but that is the more classic uh, word. And I think that we, um, that, that we use words like training, like transformation, um, um, uh, that has to do with the ongoing, the continuing challenge that God brings in our life. And man, I will say you, if you do not want that, no, I will say it differently. The Holy Spirit is the challenger in your life. He's not only comforting, he's not only giving comfort. He doesn't only give a very quiet life. No, no. If you, if you read in the book of Acts, then you see that the new Christians there were triggered by the Holy Spirit, but in a way that they did not like and they had not expected. They were driven out of the country. They were driven out of, the, uh, of Jerusalem. Yeah? yeah? Oh, man. So don't pray for the Holy Spirit because it will not give you a calm and, and, and very quiet life. No, it will, it, it will make you sometimes uh, challenged, um, even uh, unresty, yeah, uh, unquiet. Yeah, okay. That is a little bit teasing, uh, this, but I think it is quite biblical, yeah? No, absolutely. Yeah. I... You know, there was one part, I don't have it in front of me, but it was so just the, just, it was like frightening and just so true. And I've never heard anyone acknowledge it, but basically you just said in the context of, you know, sanctification and transformation and it being the work of the spirit, you essentially just said, but the spirit is like the wind. It blows where, you know, it comes and goes like the wind. You can't control it. And you kind of just left that there. And I'm like, wow, wh what are we supposed to do? So my question for you is, how, if I hunger and thirst for righteousness, and I want 
And, and in theory, I want the spirit to even drive me out if, if that's what would be needed. How hmm. does one, how does one do that? You, you, I, I think when we, when we read the new Testament, I've always been struck by people like, you know, the authors will say, Oh, um, choose men who are full of the spirit. In other words, it's very clear that someone's full of the spirit. It's not like a, it's like you could actually see them on the street in your group. Like, Oh, that, that, per, that lady, she's, she's full. That's almost what it seems like as I'm reading the, and it's like, put on the spirit or, you know, and you won't fulfill the desires of your flesh. So I don't know if you could, I know you, you are very like, you know, you, you emphasize in this area. I just wonder if you could help us, if you could speak to that. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, the way you are talking now about the spirit is uh, as if we can direct the spirit. Yeah. And that we uh, always are able to, um, to distinguish what the Holy Spirit wants immediately. Mm. And that is, that is just not true. Mm. Um, I think if you read again the book of Acts, or if you read in the Old Testament the Judges, then you see that the Holy Spirit is sometimes, um, or often, uh, quite wild. And... Um, um, uh, he uh, empowers people, yeah? yeah. Uh, he empowers people. But, um, um, yeah, it is, um, sometimes we need time. We need just ask the Lord, Lord, show me what the way is. I don't know. Um, uh, I am not an, I am, I'm, I'm not sitting in the director's room. I'm not, um, guiding the Holy Spirit. No, I have to, uh, to ask, to pray for uh, wisdom, for, um, and I have to ask then also uh, other people that I trust because uh, God, the, and God by his Holy Spirit uh, often uses uh, other, um, yeah, servants of him, uh, people around us, uh, sometimes a grandchild that says something to you and that you think, hey, little one, you're right. You're right. And that might be, that might then, that little one might be, um, speak from out the Holy Spirit even. Yeah? So be aware, be attentive about the way God wants to um, to yeah not to uh, how, how will I say to direct us, lead us? Di yes di direct us uh, sometimes there are uh, words uh, signs from a side that we do not Expect, expect, but um, uh, you you know I cannot, as a theologian, I cannot uh, predict how the how God will work exactly in your in your life. Mm. You you have to, uh, he he has a story with you. 
as a theologian, I can only say, uh, okay, always uh, think about uh, that there are, um, th that we have to be trained. We have to, we must have a good toolkit. A good theology is a toolkit that we use as a hermeneutical tool, as a tool to understand where the, yeah, where God wants us, where, what he wants from us. Um, and uh, that has to do with, um, yeah, the distinctives of the, the distinguishing marks of the work of the, of the Holy Spirit. Um, um, it brings justice, it brings um, righteousness. Uh, it is often not um, um, power play, only power play. Mm. Um, um, uh, uh, okay, is uh, is this in line with Psalm seventy two? Yeah, here you have. If you want to have a mirror of righteousness, also political righteousness, then you have to watch Psalm seventy two. Um, the uh, the mirror for the rulers. In the Old Testament and also in uh, in uh, classical times in in, in the Reformed the uh, the uh, theology. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a little bit stuttering here because I cannot predict and not prescribe to you how the Holy Spirit exactly uh, works in 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 your life and and trans transforms you. I don't know what uncle of, of you has. Was was important for you in in showing the way, mm. in in pointing you to to important things. Um, maybe uh, there was an aunt that showed you as a little boy or little girl um, a flower that she liked, and she said just to you, uh, "Hey, um, little Julie, um, see how this um, how this flower is." Um, and and that and that that even um, yeah uh, taught you a little bit, yeah. and it pointed yeah. you to a work of God as Creator. Yeah, okay. Yeah. If you remind that, that is that is the kind of um, uh, ordinary ways of how the Holy Spirit brings us to life and um, shows us the blessings, the blessings. So. If you, if you um, think about what was a blessing in my life, are there important people? Are there moments? Can I discover moments in my life? In hindsight, hmm. when God pointed me, triggered me, using people around me, my parents, teacher my music teacher mm -hmm. okay okay i am um, i cannot predict it only my our theology our systematic theology can function as a kind of toolkit that trains you um and it is a kind of exercise. It's a kind of uh, that is this this book is not only about theology. It is also a spiritual exercise yes. yeah. in 
in seeing, watching, um, um, uh, in uh, now uh, what we say about the uh, this distinction of the spirit. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, it, um, we've been talking with Dr. Cornelius van der Kooy. Um, the, the book is Christian Dogmatics, an Introduction, Erdman's 2017. Literally every single chapter is, it, it's not, it's not just true theology, but like you were saying, you know, I mean, it's good theology. And if, if by definition, good theology, is it reaching down and putting roots in us and sort of directing us so i thank you so so much for your time today and i also want to say to our listeners if you um erdman's has given us a, a copy to give away to one of our listeners so go ahead and maybe uh to enter just leave a review on this podcast and then just um put something on instagram or facebook letting us know you did it and we'll we'll announce the weeder the winner in one week but dr vanderkoy it's been a a real privilege and i honestly say thank you for writing the book for both of you guys and thank you to dr brat for translating it okay thank you very much it was great talking to you it was great also writing this uh, book and uh, seeing all the reactions not only uh, among theologians but also among lay people in in the netherlands there have many uh, have been many groups of lay people who have read this book and uh, it was wonderful to get those reactions so thank you for this interview and this podcast we came for salvation we came for family we came for all that's good that's how we'll walk away we came to break the bad, we came to cheer the sad, we came to lead.